There are events recorded for us in God's Word which seem strange and even hilarious. They cause us to scratch our heads because they sound so odd and they even cause us to laugh out loud. Now, I think God did that on purpose. As we read His Word, we see heaven described as a celebration feast where everyone is invited to join the party. God knows fun. And since our Father in heaven prepares eternal life for us with that much fun, we should trust that the full life our good Father wants for us to journey as we walk the path of faith in this life, that that includes some fun as well. Now these stranger things in the Bible remind us that Jesus invites us onto an adventure with him as we take deeper steps of trust. So here's our big idea for today. You are God's plan to connect people to full life. Now, if you're like me, you might actually enjoy making plans. A few weeks ago, I planned to take my wife, Denise, out for her birthday and for our anniversary. And, and much of my planning was to visit some parks and, and do a lot of outdoor things. Well, the weather ruined those plans. It was one of those days a few weeks ago we had where the heat index was like over 100 degrees. So I had plans for dinner at a certain place and that restaurant reservation didn't work out. So I planned to stop by this really cool coffee shop and grab some coffee with her and it happened to be closed that day. Man, our plans just sometimes don't work out. And we all make plans. We make simple plans, like maybe how I'm gonna spend a Saturday working in the yard. Uh, we, we make bigger plans, like, like you sit down to plan like a 10 day vacation or something your family's taking. And we make future life plans with what we're gonna do for jobs or, or sports or finances. But when I tell you that your heavenly father not only has plans for your life, but that he says that you are his plan, well, that's a whole different level. After his resurrection, which was written, witnessed by, by hundreds of eyewitnesses, four of whom write about Jesus' life in the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus speaks directly to his disciples of the truth of God's plan for every man, woman, and child. Matthew records this for us in his book called Matthew, and here's what he says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A disciple, according to Jesus, makes other disciples. We get to help people discover their identity in Jesus. We teach them about Jesus' life and how to mimic it in their own. And that right there is a major step in our discovering full and abundant life in Jesus. Now, I believe at some point in our lives, there's a question that all of us have to ask. And that question is this, what should I be doing? Or worded another way, how should I be living this life? At some point, we come to a place where we have to assess if what we're spending our lives on, our time on, our resources, our relationships, if these are the things that we should be about, or is there something else, if there's, is there something more? 
I believe we are built with the desire to answer this question. I believe our Heavenly Father put it there for us to wrestle with. He has a life for us to live that challenges wherever it is that we happen to be at this moment. And many of us feel unsettled with that question because we aren't learning to embrace God's plan for our lives. And if we go on like this, you and I have sentenced ourselves to a life of making good plans, but never experiencing the great ones. You are God's plan to connect people to full life. There is a strange story in God's word in the book of Jonah. Now Jonah lived several hundred years before Jesus was born. And one day Jonah was told by God to travel to the city of Nineveh to rebuke its inhabitants and warn them of coming destruction if they didn't repent and put their trust back in God. Now Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city and, and it was on the sat on the east banks of the Tigris River. And a few weeks ago, I was looking this up, and it's actually the approximate site of present-day Mosul, Iraq. And these people were known then for their violent and perverse behavior. But none of those things is what made this story so strange. It gets strange because it happens to be the story where Jonah is swallowed alive by a huge fish. Now, fiction couldn't tell a better story than the reality of this event. Look with me in Jonah chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now I want you to think about that verse right there. Jonah got up and went the opposite way to get away from the Lord. I want you to think hard on that one. How many times have you done that? I mean, maybe you didn't even know that you were running from the voice of God, but there was something that was like stirring in your spirit. And instead um, of listening to that, you went the other way. Like I should be serving to make ministry impact here at White Oak, but I'm so busy. Or I should give more of the money that God has entrusted to me back to him. But man, that child tax credit check it could go to college savings. Or maybe I should pray for somebody and let them know I'm doing it, but man, that would seem really awkward to tell them. Or maybe I should deflect this person's gossip or their wrong thinking about God with grace and truth, but I don't want to cause friction. Or maybe I just don't want to risk being made fun of, so I'll just keep quiet. We do this. And so... Jonah runs. He gets on a boat headed for the farthest place from Nineveh he can think of. But a storm comes up, and it seems like the boat's going to be destroyed. So, thinking that Jonah had brought a curse upon them, the crew reluctantly decides to throw Jonah overboard. But then, God sends a huge fish. And we aren't sure what kind of fish. Was it a whale? Maybe a super huge tuna? We don't know. But it swallows Jonah whole alive. Now you can't make this thing up. Now I want to check, want you to check out this uh, video from a children's series called VeggieTales and see what happens.
So there he is, hanging out in the belly of a fish, and I can't even imagine what was going through his mind. We know that he's reflecting on his disobedience, having, and then he repents of having ignored God's plan. And at that point, and this is the part that I have the wildest imagination thinking about how this went down, exactly, that God causes the fish to vomit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, it probably looked a lot like this. Take a look. So it's, it's a crazy story. God went through a lot of theatrics to teach Jonah a valuable lesson. That you are God's plan to connect people to full life. And look in Jonah chapter 3. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Like Jonah, I believe you and I face a couple of lies, and we've gravitated toward these lies. And we need to ask God to destroy these lies if we're going to lean into how we're to live this life and discover the fullness in it. Here's the first one, lie number one, that God will do this without me. Look in Jonah chapter four. The change of the plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying your people. So get this, okay? God forgives the people of Nineveh and Jonah gets mad about it. He's actually ticked off about this. He tells God like, listen, I knew you would do this. That's why I didn't bother to go when you called me. I knew you didn't want to destroy them and that your love and mercy would prevail. You didn't need me. Do you ever feel that way? Like that God doesn't really need you, that he's going to do what he's going to do and he's got a plan and he's going to make that plan happen with or without you. Like maybe it's the spiritual life of your family. Like how intentional are you? Maybe you've exposed your family to church and you just think, man, God's just going to do the rest, right? It's up to him. Have you ever thought about the path that your friends are choosing to follow? Where they are, their eternity lies? Do you think you have influence? What about the movement of Jesus' church in Cincinnati and around the world? Is he going to do all he's going to do and he's just going to do it without you no matter what? Whatever happens, happens, right? Is that how God works? I want to tell you right now 
that that is a lie from the pit of hell. We have an enemy, the devil, who does, whose desire it is is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He wants you to believe that because if you do, then you will miss out on the purpose that God has for you. The lie is that God will do this without me. But the truth is, God wants to do it with you so that you understand his capacity for love. You are God's plan for others to see glimpses of God because you step into what he's doing. And God wants to reveal to you how wide and deep his love is for you. He wants to teach you how long and high his love is for your friends and your coworkers and our enemies. He wants you to experience the full life which comes from repentance of your disengagement with his plans and for you to take deeper steps of trust in him. Listen, no one else will step in and fill the gap for the things that God has prepared for you to do, but you ignore. No one can serve the poor in your place. No one can fill the role as servant to make up for your busyness. No one can touch the lives of the people in your circles like you can. You are God's plan to connect people to full life. And whether you like it or not, there is no plan B. Here's lie number two. My plans matter most. Jonah chapter four, starting in verse five, let's pick up with our story. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. See, he's still hoping that God is gonna change his mind and punish these people. And do you ever wish for that? Like in, instead of giving, getting your hands dirty in the loving messiness of ministry and relationships, you just kind of hope that God will just teach people a lesson and you just stand back and wait for it. We'll pick it up in verse six. And then the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of that plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Man, I tell you what, one of the things I'm learning is that Jonah is such a whiner. All right? But we are too, right? I mean, if, if we make our plans and anything interrupts those plans, I mean, we cry out to God as if he's a, a temperamental father. Like, if you would just help me succeed here, God, like, I promise I'll honor you with sacrifice. God, if you would just arrange for this, this thing in my marriage, or if you could just fix this thing in my relationships, I'll surrender more of me to you. Or God, if you would just put up with, with my busyness now, like, I'll make it up to you later. Or, God, if you would just make this church or these people the way that I want it, then I'll step up and serve. But look what happens in verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because of that plant dying? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. He's saying, God's saying, listen, this is crazy, Jonah. You run away from my plans and elevate your own instead. And then when you don't experience the life the way that you define fullness, it's everyone else's fault but yours. Is that right, Jonah? Is that, isn't that how it works? Verse 10, then the Lord said, you feel sorry about that plant. 
though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You see, our enemy would love to keep you and me focused on our plans, our preferences, the rules that we consider biblical, but we've forgotten to love mercy and not sacrifice. He wants you and I focused on our savings accounts, our family calendars, and our ideas of success and our own fears. See, that lie that my plans matter most, but here's the truth, that nothing matters until people matter. Nothing matters until people matter. So we have a desire at White Oak for our buildings and our properties to be used for the good of the community. Like we want to make stronger and deeper impact with our spaces, but none of that matters unless people matter to us first. Our offerings that we give or other worship songs we sing or the groups that we meet in, those don't matter unless people matter to each one of us. Our plans for our lives, they may be good, and we will bump into the things along this faith journey that will interrupt those plans every time. And when that happens, our Heavenly Father says, embrace it, step into it. Because our dad in heaven wants all his kids to know in deeper ways his compassionate love. We have been deployed for the mission to multiply God's love discovered in other people. Jesus says this plainly in John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. that God has to offer, it gives him great joy to give it to you. He invites us to join him in helping others discover and delight in that truth. You are God's plan. Your life has been positioned in such a way that you will make significant spiritual impact on the people around you, one way or another. So here's what I want us to walk away with today. We read stories like Jonah and they're strange and they're funny because there's this big fish that swallows a guy and there's fish vomit and there's a plant that grows and a, and a worm that eats it. And it's just, these, these stories show us the glimpses of God's capacity for humor and creativity, but also for his undying love. So the first thing I wanna ask you is that you would step into life in Jesus through baptism. And if you've never made the decision to give your life over to Jesus through baptism, that you would email us and we would talk to you about that. For everyone else, it's time for you to step into your Nineveh. From where have you been running? Turn around. It's time this season to start walking the other direction, steps of trust and obedience towards what God is calling you to do. Mm -hmm.